0: from mayfield place this is austin danger podcast a movie where two friends meet kevin mackenzie that's you (laughs) yes hi uh made a giant list of the people who worked on the austin powers trilogy their credits we spun a giant wheel and this week landed on joe dante's the burbs the legendary
1: The return of Mr. Dante to our podcast.
0: The return of Joe Dante. The return of Tom Hanks. But that's all later on in the show at the bottom of the hour. Yes. We have all sorts of fun planned for you ahead of that. Mackenzie, on Friday night, I went and watched what will become one of the greatest episodes of this podcast of all time. Really? Uh, I hadn't seen this movie since before we started Austin Danger Podcast. And the movie okay. is Batman Returns. <sighs> that movie so much let me tell you now the 35 millimeter print i saw was so beaten up that you couldn't quite make out paul rubin's entire face oh my god right so it was pretty pretty dark as as is hmm. man what an amazing outstanding insane movie the randy round table would fall apart and be <laughs> reduced to splinters at this film
1: and she licks his whole face. Yeah. Are you unbelievable.
0: Kidding me? Unbelievable. Michael Keaton, barely a character in Batman Returns.
1: <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is it. She is the apple of my eye. I am of the of the mind in a completely unironic sense. The she should have got an Oscar Nom for that. She's amazing <laughs> in that movie. Like just even the like coming home from being reawoken scene alone is just she's every moment she's on screen is magic. She is she makes that whole movie.
0: Amazing. Uh, I will say, like at the, you know, the audience I went to, Christopher Walken had a lot of like cowbell laughs, mm. where he gave the most insane line reading of all time, because he's in a cartoon, you know.
1: I love him in that. I think he's great. I think he's pretty diabolical in a really fun way.
0: He is legitimately amazing, having a blast, totally hitting his mark. I love I, so I I, I love that movie. And again, we'll save a lot of our thoughts. These are massive spoilers for a future episode of the show. Um who cares? I mean
1: I I love all of the nineties. I love the Burton and I love the Schumacher. Um because I think they bring amazing things in their own ways that should that I wish were still present in in comic book movies like I feel like the Burton ones the characters are so strong and they feel so comic booky and larger than life but still grounded and and interesting and human and I love that Schumacher's looks like a comic book I love the way his films are lit and designed and that they're these vibrant interesting dynamic visuals through these campy performances that like harken back to the OG series to me. Like I, the nineties Batman movies are my favorite comic book movies ever. All Mm. four of them.
0: They're really great. You know, uh, whether Burton did this intentionally or not, uh, at least his movies learned the right lessons from Mm. the Frank Miller, dark Knight returns comic that that kind of helped change perception of comics in the mid eighties. A lot of people took it to mean like everybody should have 90 pouches and be bleeding (laughs) and you know, whatever else. But uh, in reality, (laughs) it's take what made the old stuff great and bring it into a modern context. Even if that context in Batman Returns case is uh, a fairy tale. Yeah. Because that's really what Batman Returns is. Uh, It is a sequel to Edward Scissorhands. More than it's a sequel to Batman 89, which feels, in retrospect, more of a compromise um, by everybody involved. And it hit and it did great and it's awesome. But Terminator 2 style situation, baby, you know. Uh, sometimes the doubling down is is twice as good. Um, It's one
1: of my favorite Christmas movies.
0: I watch it every Christmas. I love it so much. It is an awesome movie. Uh, What else did I watch this week? I got two more for you, actually. Uh, Child's Play. (laughs) I've begun the Child's Play journey. Uh, Apropos some Austin Danger Podcast DMs about the Chucky property. Yes. Obviously, we all know Chucky in the mid-90s pivots from Child's Play to... A Bride of Chucky onward, this campy, silly, very bizarre thing—a mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. meta comedy, if you will—and <laughs> boy, do we love meta comedies here on Awesome do Danger we? Podcast. <laughs> so seems very our, our wheelhouse. I, I will say that Child's Play is uh, kind of a very standard slasher. It's very mm-hmm. basic because it's the first movie, and how could you have predicted the rest of this property? Basically, like. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, you know, the doll kills people and then they get back at the doll and whatever. It's a slasher, but with a talking doll. And uh, occasionally the talking doll is good. Hell it's, yeah. It's like fine. It's fine. And then uh, the last thing is Mississippi Masala. <gasps> Heating up the art houses all spring because oh. of the new Janus Films Criterion mm-hmm. Collection restoration. It's now on the Criterion channel. It is the most humid movie of all time.
1: More humid than body heat?
0: well okay one of the most humid movies of all time (laughs) we need a list
1: of humid movies we need the the sweatiest uh, surely there's a sweaty cinema list somewhere
0: has to be has to be in pairing with Slim's man ass list (laughs) Um, but yeah it's also about uh, cultures clashing it's about uh, politics in in Uganda it's also again like a very steamy love story it's got a lot going on and a lot to offer this was a five banger and I highly recommend it for everybody yeah it's really good
1: it's been on my list for a thousand years, uh, so I want to watch it.
0: You know, when when we start Art House Devotee podcast, <laughs> easy easy first to round pick ADP <laughs> ADP dough. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, for me. How about you? What
1: yeah, you I I did it. I watched Marcel the Shell with Shoes on.
0: Oh goodness.
1: This week, um, it, it it is not worth like getting too deep into because I think that would be to the detriment of listeners who have not seen Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. It's true. Uh, you need to go in just like open heart, open mind, and let this movie wash over you. And um, but I recommend it a thousand percent due to some of the themes in the movie. it Ended up being a much like rougher watch than I thought it would be. It's obviously I'm sure people have seen the millions of reviews that are like I cried my face off. I also cried my face off. I will, I will second all of those reviews. Um, it really, it it hit me in an emotional spot I wasn't ready for, but I still welcomed because it was a really, really just lovely, loving movie. Um, and I, I, even though it like I like I cried for like hours after that movie ended, I still want to watch it again. <laughs> like it's a movie I could see myself returning to because um, it's just a comfort and a and a, just a really beautiful piece of cinema. And I think it is kind of mind-boggling that it it exists like how does this movie exist of this little shell that was a youtube phenomenon over 10 years ago like i think it's kind of amazing that it exists and i love that people are showing out to like support this movie i love that it's like opening super wide and doing really well like I just think that's awesome. I'm really yeah. proud of Marcel.
0: It's really amazing, you know, both a 24 big cold hits this year have big legs at the box office and are doing well as they go wide. Everything everywhere all at once is the other one. Uh and it's yeah. again just a real testament to the quality and the depth of emotion. I do um, think that both films.
1: Yeah, no, I think that A24 has become I'm not saying that's unoriginal uh, or ha- like that that, that, I had, that hasn't been said before, but they really are some of the best um, distributors out there. And it's because they've built such a brand loyalty that people... There is a pretty large chunk of people that are going to show up to basically anything they put out <laughs> because they have built yeah. such a brand loyalty. They pick great work and they distribute really well so that like people can actually fucking see this shit. You know what I mean? I also think that A24 is really stepped up its marketing game to try to get wider audiences and I do think it's working. I think Everything Everywhere and Marcel both got like much more mainstream legs, like you said, that I I hope they continue to build on because I do think they are a great um, leader of like popularizing art house, quote unquote, for, for wider audiences. Like, I I love that people that maybe had never seen an A24 movie got to experience one of these two awesome movies right. this year.
0: It's the Zoomer-Wes Anderson effect, basically. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. for I, I don't know about you, but for me, Wes Anderson was my key to many of my favorite art house movies.
1: Mm. I love that. So
0: I think it's cool, you know.
1: Marcel's great. Um, if you have not seen Marcel, please go see Marcel.
0: It's easy to cringe at things like that, but then... Uh, you are the gatekeeper. We can all <laughs> change. Be be accepting to people who are new in the scene. Yeah. Cinema is a beautiful thing.
1: It is. And no, we should all be a part of it. We should all see these great movies. Um, so that's, I watched that. Um, I don't want to linger on it too long because I want to talk about the last movie more, but I did go on the before journey i watched before sunrise a couple months ago and i think in my brain i was like i'm gonna spread it out and i'm gonna watch them over the years and then i i don't know what (laughs) hit me i was like they're going off the channel the criterion channel at the end of the month so i was like i'll put them all on today yeah you (laughs) Um, watched
0: one of them that's what happened you can't stop
1: yeah so i watched before sunrise again i did lower my rating for it because and i think that this is the i don't date men leaping out because some of the shit jesse says i'm like i'm out of the fucking door <laughs> like when he like so like he is, can be so annoying to me and i'm like i get that he's like charming for a boy but i don't see it
0: you want to <laughs> it's talk my about... it's
1: my not being attracted to ethan hawkism that is leaping out did
0: you see boyhood i did not know oh okay well you don't have to rush to see it um but if, the- <laughs> if you ever watch boyhood we'll talk about it i have jokes okay boyhood. okay
1: um but um, i did like jesse a lot more in before sun set i always yeah. forget the order of them um i that was my favorite of the three i think i really really loved that movie a lot i think it was my favorite i just liked this them coming together i thought it was so well structured the scene of them in the car was amazing uh just a phenomenal writing and acting on on all levels uh so that is my favorite officially yeah. say it here before sunset is my favorite yeah. what's your it's, favorite of the
0: three? it's that i think definitely before sunset it's great to see also like not just like um hawk and delpy's growth as actors but yes. link ladder's director uh um, yes later's directorial skill like really levels up in sunset yeah. and it's a way better and more pleasant watch whereas sunrise which again i i think i'm all, five stars on all these i'm not 100 sure I, yeah um they're all as good as each other i think but mm-hmm sunrise is fits more with slacker before, yeah. you know, before sunset, maybe more conventional, uh, doesn't lose the spirit of the original, but feels more refined. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I yeah.
1: agree. And then before midnight, obviously is the most refined out of all of them. It was like almost jarring to switch to this new visual. Um, oh, yeah. it was definitely the the weakest of the three for me. And I only think it's because I hated the first 50 minutes, um being with all the other people so much like that there's just a huge like half of the movie basically where they're talking to all these different people and i understand that like the purpose of it is because like there's many different ages of people all experiencing love at different points in their lives and it's contextualizing all this stuff but the magic of the other movies for me is that it's just Celine and jesse and we're just here like we're just with them and so like I hated the be like I hated the first half of the before midnight because I was like there's too many people here I just want to hear them talk and once we got into that I was like oh this rocks like once we really got into into it into it like to them just them together I I, I dug it a lot more and it was really funny Rachel came home and I was like in this the scene in the hotel room where they're fighting and Rachel was like came in and was just like glued to the tv she was like what are you watching like it's just it's i think you're right it's like every movie that the directing and the acting like levels up you can see the growth of them as artists um right and so i think that those that it's just really cool to see like even though before midnight wasn't my fave um by a decent margin like i'd take five million more of these movies so you know
0: well who knows don't look now before i forget is wait a minute (laughs) Wait a minute. That not? was
1: such a harsh prank that that person did on Twitter. Uh, Rachel literally came home and was like, "Well, yeah, you saw they're doing a fourth one, right?" So even my fiance, who was not on film Twitter, <laughs> saw that somehow. And when I was watching Before Midnight, was like, "Yeah, they're doing a fourth. I went, "Honey, it's fake. You can't know <laughs> it. They're not."
0: But um, the best was that person's follow up tweet of like, "This joke was supposed to stop when I changed my name back." <laughs> then delete oh. the tweet.
1: Then delete the tweet um so yeah i watched the before movies uh if they do more let's get lit and then uh just so i don't take too much time but i did watch goodfellas this week i'm continuing yes. my scorsese oh my journey God.
0: i i'm long overdue i
1: i i i dug it i don't I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than it was amazing obviously ray is amazing in it um de niro my king um i'm obsessed with him pesci funny how you know iconic uh, it was great. It's, I mean, it's like I feel like it's kind of quintessential mob movie for a lot of people, and I see why. I don't know. I gave it five stars. I feel like I don't have really articulate Karen. thoughts other than I just liked it. Why'd you do that? The thing that struck me as I was in the middle of the movie and I realized I cannot give this less than five stars is because there was... I don't even remember what was happening. I think I was watching maybe the sequence of them going into the bar, that long shot that just follows them downstairs yeah, through the, the kitchen. And, and I just was smiling, and I didn't notice I was smiling. Like, I was watching this movie, and a smile was just creeping onto my face. And then by the time the shot ended, I realized I was smiling. And it was like, I've never had a movie just do that to me. Like, I, like my body was reacting in joy in ways I didn't even notice until like after I was like I was like, oh my god, why am I smiling? My cheeks hurt, and it's because that it, it, I was so delighted by the filmmaking. I was like, God, this is this is something special. That's and right. I, like it's just, I can't believe that that happened to me.
0: <laughs> You're gonna get that from Iron Man. I think not. There Marty and Nicole, point.
1: so i'm gonna keep going on the scorsese journey um he's the king he's the goat i am i'm loving every single movie i cannot decide whether or not i like raging bull or goodfellas better and that's where i'm at right now i'm like my brain is racking with when i'm ranking my scorsese movies i can't decide which one but some biggies i watched but that was basically what i watched this week outside of the burbs which we're discussing after we discuss some other stuff
0: hell yeah that's right whooped it news what does it all mean Basil folks if this is your first week listening to Austin Danger Podcast this is usually a joke segment called Austin News that we do because so rarely does Austin Powers news happen well as usual we've summoned Austin Powers news yeah as you're listening to this right now tomorrow July 26th is the 20th anniversary of Austin Powers in Goldmember oh oh Happy birthday, goal member. Congratulations and happy anniversary to everyone from Mike Myers to Jay Roach to cinematographer Peter Deming <laughs> to George Clinton to editors Greg Hayden and John Paul. Congratulations, everyone. Great job.
1: Come on our podcast.
0: Yeah, we want to hear from you. Seriously. <laughs> so, as a result of this, Vulture ran a piece. Uh, That was the oral history of Beyonce in Austin Powers and Goldmember. Because if you think about it, it really is bizarre that Beyonce is in the Austin Powers movie. (laughs) It does feel like it's, um, based on the responses
1: to this article I know you'll get in, it is funny to me how people like are learning this for the first time like this is this is very wild new information to them which is so interesting
0: you know to put it as kindly as possible austin powers is not seen as the most relevant thing by a lot of people Um, what
1: (laughs) we gotta change our podcast what no we don't no one's gonna listen to our podcast it's not even relevant
0: art house devotee podcast but we give austin (laughs) a beret and put it in black and white that's the pitch that's the pitch yes me know Anyway, um, (laughs) so the biggest thing to come out of the piece is this story about Kate Biscoe, the makeup artist for Beyonce on Goldmember. Here's the quote. When we were shooting, someone brought her a poster that would be promoting the movie. He showed it to her like, do you like it? And she was kind of like, yeah. He goes, what's the matter? And she says, you made me too skinny. It's not me. Then she did this hourglass shape. And he said, okay, we'll fix that. She walked away to go do the scene, and I looked at him and smiled like, is that the first time you've ever had an actress ask to make her body bigger? He was like, <laughs> yes, it's going to cost me million- thousands of dollars, sorry, but I'm going to do it.
1: I love that. I know I- it's like weird, but like, I love that she stood up for herself, and I love that she was like, don't make me a fucking skinny mini. Because I feel like... I feel like there's definitely this, this, this obviously photos of actresses are still heavily edited, but I do think that there's definitely been this shift in recent years of like, we want natural beauty and like, you know, like a lot of on the cover of magazines being like, oh, natural, blah, blah, blah. Um, But definitely in that time period, like some of the editing is insane that they did to women, especially on movie posters. So I love that Beyonce, I love that Beyonce stood up for herself, but I also love that the. Studio didn't give her shit about it and just, like, said, okay, we'll do it. And they did. I love that.
0: Even if I thought anything different, you think I would say it on this podcast? Unlikely. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Uh, the other big piece of trivia here, besides this, like, you know, she changed the poster. Uh, Solange Knowles was supposed to appear as a backup singer in Goldmember's club during the oh, now infamous Hey Goldbember scene. Hey You know show. I love that song. And uh, apparently, I guess, the mother was on set. And heard the lyrics and was like, and saw the costume and was like, no, 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 no.
1: Well, oh yeah. I mean, Solange was, because Beyonce was like 20, 21 when that was filmed. Yeah, exactly. So Solange was probably like 14, 15. Yeah. Even younger. So yeah, I don't think I would, I would put my 14 year old daughter in that costume either.
0: Definitely (laughs) not. Definitely not. And it, you know, let me tell you, we would do 20 minutes on that on this show about how (laughs) insane that is. Uh, But those are like the cool things. There's all sorts of cool stories in there. We'll put it in the show notes if you want to check it out. Um, Other than that, that is the Austin news for me. Do you have anything? Well, um, Scott Ackerman, who I know you love. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Thank
1: you great comedian comedy bang bang um as i think we discussed uh he was the like body double for nigel in goldmember for the scene where he's literally going to take a piss you don't even see scott ackerman's face that's right he is just literally the guy who's taking a piss um and he quote tweeted the the article um or some uh, an article quoting that article and said on behalf of the austin powers franchise we apologize uh, which is just very funny, considering he was the pissing body double for Michael Caine. <laughs> so good. It's great.
0: That is so funny. Thank you for that. It's yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, that's all I got for news. Um, Austin Butler news. Elvis, you know, uh, this is probably going to be the last week of Austin Butler news. Elvis is still in theaters. It's going to be in theaters for the rest of the Until summer. Until he
1: gets his Oscar nom. <laughs> this
0: was a nine banger from this show. I am obsessed with it, and we highly recommend you check it out.
1: And I mean... Y- can't leave out the most important news that it beat dune i was just in getting the box to that office. I was okay just continue, that. continue. So, i'm just
0: too eager as elvis is out it continues to pretty like hold up pretty strong at the box office. yeah you weirdly know, yeah no no movie of its type that would appeal to its audience is replacing its spot uh, you're just seeing newer movies, you know, Thor and Minions and, and whatever, uh, take up the number one and two spots. It's still holding on to like five or six. And it surpassed Dune's domestic earnings, which um, I think says more about the market than it does about Dune specifically. Um, but we could have that debate on another show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that that's really cool that it's doing well. And I think the HBO Max release and the home video release will do a lot to... Um, get people in front of it because going to the theater is hard for reasons beyond COVID and even so there are a bunch of people who aren't safe yet going or don't feel safe going and that's okay
1: I think HBO Max and having it widely available is going to be a huge wave of word of mouth coming out
0: but let me just say if you saw Thor 4 and not (laughs) Elvis in the theater
1: we're fighting you
0: personally with our hands end of segment (laughs) Fist End of segment. End of segment. <laughs> uh, yeah so Austin awesome news that's it
1: <laughs> hell yeah that, <laughs> Which was good brings news. Us,
0: that was pretty decent news I think that was good news
1: pat us on the back
0: all right well it is time now for our feature presentation we spun the wheel and the wheel provided the wheel like the Charlie's the Angels did. pick <laughs> deeply in wheelhouse and we're back now at Joe Dante to talk the burbs
1: Kev, give me this synopsis. What's the burbs about?
0: Peterson has taken a week's vacation of work, and he intends to stay home, watch baseball, drink beer, and smoke cigars outside. But the new neighbors, the Klopeks, are up to something. After their neighbor Walter disappears, it's up to Ray and his neighbors Art and Mark to get to the bottom of it all. Did the Klopeks kill Walter? Is Ray just paranoid? The cul-de-sac is in crisis in Joe Dante's The Burbs. Corey Feldman also stars.
1: (laughs) You can't forget Corey.
0: Mackenzie, what is your history with the burbs?
1: My history with the burbs is nothing. I have never watched it. I have never heard of it other than like a bunch of friends in the discord really love it. Um, I've always thought I had a cool poster. I see it on, I see it on, uh, letterbox and i always thought the poster was pretty cool (laughs) so that was kind of the extent i love tom hanks and so it's like it's been on my radar but i've never watched him
0: the 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 the, uh, besheveled tom hanks is strong on the poster
1: yes i so i've always really dug the poster a lot um but really knew nothing about it going in other than joe dante and tom hanks and suburbia horror yeah true film i guess i kind of knew like i had the general vibe of what the tone might have been but uh yeah what's your history with the burbs
0: I saw it. I bought it earlier this year blind. I hadn't Ooh. seen it at on a Shout Factory sale. And I watched it and loved it then. And uh, it's been highly requested for this show. And that's it. This is only the second <laughs> time I'm seeing it, honestly. This is another one that has eluded me all these years. And it's super mm. great. You know, this early career Tom Hanks, we'll just say Tom's return to the show, of course, after uh, Elvis. And uh, <laughs> he's much very more dis- coherent here. Very different. Um, this early career comedy, Tom Hanks has totally eluded me. Uh, let's see, where do we want to begin? I mean, I I do want to say I didn't comment on it last week. One of my favorite things in movies is when they mess with the logo. Mm. So here to open and close the movie, we begin from a very obvious alternate CG, whatever universal globe into the neighborhood.
1: I, well, they do it with Charlie's Angels, too, like when they have the, the right. woman holding up and it goes next to her head and they they do that again in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I'm oh, sorry, we're not I talking about Charlie's that. Angels anymore. They um, do it in no, Jumanji,
0: I, too. It's the best.
1: I, I think it's fun when they like make it part of the movie. It's great. Oh,
0: yeah. It's the best. And it also doubles down on the theme of paranoia, right? Because mm. you're, you know, the universal, this is so like stoner thought, but you're in the point of view of like a satellite who's looking down on the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the neighbors mm-hmm. all think that somebody's watching them or whatever, and and we'll talk about that because it blows up in their face. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was. I I always think that's cool, and it was interesting to tie into the themes of the sh- of the movie.
1: Yeah, I thought that it was very. Um, as the movie was beginning, it uh, was very Burton-esque to me, very Beetlejuice-like miniature houses. Uh, and then, or like, and then kind of the Edward Scissorhands, um, sort of morbid suburbia. Like it was, it, it it felt very akin to that era of Burton film. Not a lot
0: of sneering like Burton would do. In yes, those films, though. it's
1: not the same, but like yeah. the, the music, they kind of do, 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 do like that music with the- <laughs> Yeah,
0: the ultimate, like we'll get to it, but the Looney Tunes <laughs> vibe up and down, but starting with the music,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the, and, and also I could tell that the houses were like miniatures, which just actively reminded me of the Beetlejuice opening. Um, so I thought it was kind of fun, Burton-y vibes, very dire organ music coming in in the beginning. I, I thought that was a pretty fun intro into the world that, that uh, he wanted to kind of bring you into as a director.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, where do you want to start?
1: I don't know. I do, I do think it was interesting, and I think that I'm going to say this now because it'll tie into my final thoughts, kind of. Um, I was trying to, like, the tone of it I thought was really fun. It reminded me, like, of a Goosebumps episode. Um, but also, But also it reminded me so much of, obviously, the monsters are due on Maple Street, uh, Twilight Zone, hmm. which I feel like is, like, one of the OG, like, suburban horror uh paranoia film like right. not films but you know it's a tv show but but like uh it the monsters are do on maple street where like i could feel the influences of that type of storytelling all over this so it was kind of twilight Zoney, kind of goosebumpsy, kind of burton-y uh but all that wrapped up to be joe dante-y I thought that was pretty oh, absolutely um, interesting yeah
0: and you know what's crazy about that comparison is that <laughs> the monsters are due on maple street spoiler alert for the twilight zone is also totally real
1: yes that's why it ties into my final thoughts because i have i have thoughts about that ending interesting. but that's the ending of this movie and maple street that we'll get into
0: interesting Interesting. later okay
1: um yeah no i agree like it, it was very i especially at the end of this i was like oh this is just like the monsters are do on maple street huh. uh in terms yeah. of like not just like there's obviously not aliens in this uh also spoiler alert for twilight zone again those are aliens and the, and that um funny you want to something random um there was a written version of the monsters are do on maple street in my english book as a kid yeah we did it in class
0: we did like a table read yeah we did the same thing
1: that's so weird why why i tried to do i tried to do sterling
0: and lost out
1: (laughs) i just remember reading it and being like why is this what and then i saw the the twilight zone episode and was like i thought this was a book i was really confused um anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's true how do I you haven't. feel
1: about, like, are you, I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, you've already, I already see your star rating for this movie. I assume you like that suburban horror vibe, but like, where, what were you coming to this with? Like, is this, was this totally original to you? Did this remind you of other things?
0: Yeah. I mean, so it it's, it calls forward, you know, we talked a little bit about it in Small Soldiers, um, but it, yes. it's, yeah, the, the horror, the mischief is here. Definitely. that You would mm-hmm, see later mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the, you know. I think the the vibe I read from it is, sure, there's horror. I don't think it's very scary. I think it's very tense no. in spots. Obviously, I almost wanted it to be around. scarier. <laughs> I know what you mean. I actually kind of agree. But I, I do love the insane Goldsmith melodramatic score, the Looney Tunes of it all. Like my mm-hmm. letterbox review is, uh, I wrote something like Joe Dante is the closest live-action director to the classic Looney Tunes directors, the Chuck mm. Jones, Fritz Feeling, uh, Joe, uh, Bob Clampett, etc. And uh, what's funny about that is that he did do a Looney Tunes movie, and I'm scared to watch it. But
1: uh, you've never seen Looney Tunes back in action. I've
0: never seen it, and I'm scared. I'm gonna do it at some point. <laughs> I mean, I'm I scared. love that
1: movie, but I was like, it was like a kid, it was a childhood favorite. I watched it recently, and I think it really much, it very much rides on the charm of Brendan Fraser and uh, and the characters you know and love. But it is kind of fun that Joe Dante directed it. Sure, sure. I think his humor, I think his weird humor is definitely present in in Looney Tunes oh,
0: Absolutely. back uh, Okay, that's interesting. It, but it's like you know it's totally silly it's off the wall the the neighbors we we pan across the neighbor's house and starts playing that stupid loud organ (laughs) so funny
1: it was interesting i'm glad you agree with me on like i wish it was scarier because i was reading imdb trivia and they were like it was this isn't really a trivia this is just an opinion probably but it was like one of his only movies to not lean fully into horror or into comedy and I was like, yeah, it is kind of in the middle in a way that I I wish it leaned harder onto one side or the other. Like I I think that there was plenty of comedy. There was so much that made me like giggle and laugh. I have some like lines written down that just really killed me. Um, but I I wish it was scarier. Like I by, by the end of the movie, I wish it was, it had spooked me a bit more. Not even like scary, but you know how like small soldiers I thought that had genuinely scary moments that made it like really exciting. Like, the doll part is so scary to me, and I think that's why, but it still, it worked within the tone still for me, uh, and so, yeah, I kind of wish that, like, there was, like, parts in the beginning, the opening scene I loved. I loved that, like, him going out in the dark, that, that like, tension, him, like, stepping onto the, to the dirt, and then the wind blowing, and the candle, I, like, I thought that's what we were going to be in for the whole time, Then I felt like that kind of waned, and I wish it had kept that kind of um silly horror vibe throughout I and mean, it does but you know what i mean like i just wish yeah. to maybe leaned a little bit further into that i think
0: no i agree i mean you know everybody knows how much i love the burps right <laughs> and i do appreciate the looney tunes of it all but again like i i do wish they had picked like 75 percent of one thing instead of it being like here and there
1: yeah it, it doesn't quite feel like i can't quite pin down the genre which isn't always an issue for me but for this i was sort of like i want you to be like one or the other right and not even that like or or like a healthier mixture of it i guess
0: sure yeah um, no i yeah. can agree with that
1: but there I was a lot that made it. me laugh i that dog i'm obsessed with that dog i know i told you about it um the zoom of that dog's face and that like opening <laughs> thing is my new favorite gif of all time i'm obsessed that dog, Darla, she was in Batman Returns. You saw her twice this That's week. That's
0: right. This is a she's big in, week for Darla.
1: She's in Batman Returns. She's in Silence of the Lambs. She's in The Burbs, and she's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Those are her four movies. Those what an are
0: icon. I mean, you know, Silence of the Lambs is a complicated film. Yes. But four of my so all time four of my all time favorite movies, I have to be honest. That's yeah, a great I mean, record.
1: She's what an I Darla? Queen Darla. I, I said in my review I would praise her and I am praising her here. That dog. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. Uh, I also love the line, "An incubus and a succubus," I thought was very funny.
0: Oh, playing along with Jeopardy and tabulating the score is such a vibe. That is so you. We are we are I believe three weeks away from doing that ourselves. <laughs> I, I will like, not to do Jeopardy minute here. But, oh, please uh, do Jeopardy Minute. Ken Jennings is on the show this week and just for this week. And it's so awesome. Like no shade on Blossom, whatever, like seems like a totally, I think we disagree on some core things <laughs> as people, <laughs> She's fine, but obviously is like hosting Jeopardy where Ken Jennings like lives Jeopardy and you can tell. Um,
1: as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is so Kev, I can't believe. Yeah. But also another thing that ties our previous two films together is that there's Jeopardy um representation oh my on both God. of the movies last week and this week.
0: Just like it's taking over my life. Jeopardy is taking <laughs> over our show. It's oh, incredible. I
1: love playing Jeopardy. I need to watch it more.
0: So good. <laughs> um let's talk about our main one of our main links. A lovely cameo in Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Yes. Here in the Burbs as as the wife of Tom Hanks' Ray, Carrie Fisher.
1: Mm-hmm. I love her.
0: Who's like totally amazing here. M- my my truth, I haven't seen her in many movies outside of uh Star Wars.
1: I mean, yeah, that those are the majority of her big careers. It's stuff, true, but yeah. I also just like loved her as like a person, like as like a celebrity, she was such an amazing human being and yeah, whenever I watch her in movies, I just miss her so much. She was she was just such a one of a kind human being and for me it's like i got to know her as like a human being more because i was never a star wars kid but i watched her specials and i like was aware of her as a person and so i've honestly loved finding these other movies that aren't star wars that she's in because when harry met sally we talked about she's amazing in that she's um she's in charlie's angels full throttle and a great cameo as well like i'm finding all these small in this she has such a beautiful like groundedness to her acting when she's not playing you know leia not that she's not grounded as leia but like it's she doesn't have to play the genre as much in these other films and i just i don't even know there was like a moment when at the very end when she when he said something like let's get away and she looked up at him and it was like Just watching her look at him with her beautiful eyes, it was just like, she's magic. She's just magic to watch on screen. And I wish she had more to do. I love Carrie so much. I wish she was around more in the movie.
0: I agree. I like her as like a a real person on earth. Yes. In the face of all these cartoons, right? And then when she comes back, it's just so, so great.
1: I want her around more, but I also think it tracks that she would not get involved in the bullshit. <laughs> like, I want her around, yeah. but also it makes total sense that she'd be like, I'm not going to fucking do this. <laughs> so.
0: And it's absolutely the delineating point, right? Like, yes. Carrie leaving is the point of no return for the movie, where it goes full cartoon. They start to break mm-hmm. into the clopex, and then the finale mm-hmm. explodes. Mm-hmm. The Corey orders a pizza, basically. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I She had a bigger role, but I think, you know, it's also... Perfect. I don't know.
1: No, yeah, I agree.
0: Conflict of life.
1: It's just Um, me wanting to see more Carrie Fisher in general, even though I think if it's the movie, fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of fine, Corey Feldman as Bart (laughs) Simpson. How about it?
1: I wrote one single note about Corey Feldman, and it was just, it was more about the guy that plays art who also my truth i found that guy annoying as hell i thought that the guy i thought art was like the most annoying character ever i did not find him very funny and i was just like stop stop doing everything you're doing he was always just getting tom hanks into trouble i don't know i know that's his position but i wrote down why are you as a grown adult ass man drinking beer with a teenager (laughs) what why was corey Feldman just drinking beer with the adults hanging out like he's such a weird character
0: For art, I would have put Kurt Fuller in there, who at this time would have looked and acted the part great. I don't think art is super bad as is, for the record. I I think art's, like, fine.
1: I don't know. He just, like, I just, as the movie went on, I was like, I don't think I find you funny, and you just annoy me. (laughs) And I just, I wish someone (laughs) in that role would have made me laugh a bit more. Um, Because he seemed like he's supposed to be the most kind of goofy i guess i get i think they all get to a similar level of goof by the end but art is definitely the kookiest um at the top and i kind of wanted him to make me laugh more i just was being a hater on him i was just well by the time i got to like the third part where he's just like what did i do wrong i was like i'm gonna fucking <laughs> knock you out you piss me off you didn't make me laugh once now you're being a bitch
0: can we agree though that, that the holding the, the femur is in. great Finding the what femur the- in the backyard.
1: Ah! Oh, and when the, yes, that this shot. that great zoom, zoom. I feel like it looked like it was on a camcorder, and you could see someone pressing the button yes. to zoom in and zoom out. I was like, this has big, you're you're like 12 years old making movies in the backyard with your friends vibes. <laughs> you wrote a note and put it under
0: there. I didn't know that. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we got them on the run now. Now they know that we know that they know that we know. Yes, it does matter. You did it, but they're gonna suspect me. They're not gonna suspect anybody. They're. Do you know what this is? It's a bone. It's a femur. It's a femur bone. A femur just happens to be a human thigh bone, right? Wait, how do you know that? Biology 101. I mean, look at the size of this thing. You think this came off a chicken or something? Where the hell did Vince get this? Ray, there's no doubt anymore. This is real. Your neighbors are murdering people. They're chopping them up. They're burying them in their backyard. Ray, this is Walter. No! Ah! 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 I do love Art's golf outfit when <laughs> Carrie is leaving and they're trying to play it up. There's a lot of great, honestly, there's a lot of great fashion in this. My three yeah. favorite fits are Art's golf fit is hysterical. Carrie's fit when they go to the Klopex house
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wonderful and then cory about a half hour in they have cory recite the plot of the movie up to that point to his girlfriend to make sure everybody kind of has it you know because there's <laughs> you know
1: you might have lost somebody there <laughs> No, I thought it was fun. I, I again, like even though Art kind of annoyed me, he did. Like I said, he had like Incubus and Succubus made me laugh, and I loved him in the golf being like, "Yeah, look at this. Look at my, look at my hands. Oh my god, all this golf we're gonna be playing. We're playing a ton of golf. You see how much golf we're playing? Like him doing that was very funny. I thought, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's just some good. There's just some some good line readings, and not to trivia it up again, but apparently there was like a writer's strike happening during this film. Oh really? And so yeah, so the writer was on set, but he was like legally bound from giving notes and helping add to the script. So Joe Dante had a lot of like um, improv scenes that he was like, just improvise. Like the scene where they're down in there, the incubus and succubus and like the, what the Satan is our, is the good Satan is our pal. Like those are all like improvised lines um, because he just was like letting them play a bunch just because the writer couldn't be involved in it as much as they needed him to. And I think that I also read that Tom Hanks, another great moment. He improvised, grabbing the gurney himself throwing it in the ambulance and throwing his yes, body in there. Yes, Apparently I Tom Hanks improvised that. Um, so yeah, it looks like and I think moments like that, like the golfing thing, like I can see where that loosey-goosey that was probably improvised energy comes from. Uh, so there's lots of good lines and, and moments that are all yeah. that are all kind of from the actors, which is pretty fun. I mean, Tom's
0: incredible in the breakdown in the final monologue there. Amazing Just final monologue. Just hysterical. Shut up, Art! Shut up! God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me! I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art. You leave now, now, no. Soldiers! You leave them alone! Get out their case already! They didn't do anything to us! They didn't do anything to us! All right, so they're different, so they keep to themselves! Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into their house and burn it down while they're gone for the day! Remember... What you're saying about people in the burbs are people like Skip, people who mowed their lawn for the 800th time and then snap Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking into people's windows. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid. Eyes. We're the lunatics! Us! It's not them! Us. For the record, my favorite line in this movie <laughs> I hate them, Dad Rudy is a moron and Diane smells I may have watched that line ten times Peacock broke I had to restart my TV because I rewound so much
1: That's so funny
0: Rudy is a moron and Diane smells
1: That kid next door is a meatball
0: <laughs> Oh, So good yeah,
1: there was, like, a, a lot of chunks where I wasn't really taking notes because there was just, a, you know, just things were happening. and There was not much to write about. The um, the clipex are interesting. that actor, I, I should have looked up his name. I know him from The Luck of the Irish, but he's the doctor. Uh, he's in a bunch of Altman stuff, too. He was in Nashville, and he was oh, really? in Long Goodbye. Yeah, huh. like, uh, just an interesting actor to be in this movie. <laughs> um, I mean, this probably would have been around the time he was doing The Luck of the Irish. So maybe he was switching genres a bit. Um but the Klopex were they were interesting. They did like like the they didn't talk much. They, the, the beard on that kid was upsetting to say the <laughs> least. The, the the beard that 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 kid had.
0: Oh, that was great. Was hell. That was great. So let's get down to it. Look, Klopek turns out to be the real deal, not a nice guy. And the way that everyone finds out is they open the trunk. And there's a big pile of bones.
1: Just ancient bodies, apparently.
0: Now, by this time, I believe that the movie has taught you that it is f- really stupid. <laughs> but what did you think? Because I was nervous about it watching it. I was like, oh no, how's this going to go over? What did you think of the pile of bones?
1: Um, The pile of bones, I mean that's prop looked stupid as hell because they were, like, <laughs> fucking ancient. Like, there was a lot of moments where the props pulled me so far out of it. The first femur they find... Yeah, the party Clean City as a femur? fucking whistle. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like, the cleanest... Just came out of the dirt and you would think it had been... It had gone through a dishwasher and then brought it to them. Um, there was, like, <laughs> random fucking props that I was like, this is so stupid. Um, but, yeah. I'll just say, my biggest issue with the film is the, is the ending. Because... As I said I, I I watched a really great randomly the the monsters are do well on Maple Street has been present in my brain because I watched a great video that brought it up that was saying they believed that the fact that it is actually aliens like undercuts the whole theme of the episode like the like the the um like this paranoia and the anger and the othering that happens when just a little bit of a of these people's lives is messed messed up you know what i mean like like the fact that it's, that's it's aliens and not just humans kind of like like it, it kind of undercuts the message of like humans can eat each other alive i, I don't know if my thoughts are as articulate on it but i had the same thought with the burbs is the pacing was pretty clunky for me in the second half and i as again i wanted it to be scarier like i wanted it to feel more exciting or spooky and it was kind of writing, and so it didn't climax as much as I wanted, but I loved that monologue. That monologue from Tom Hanks is amazing. And um, Mitchell from The Letterboxd Show has a great review that I fully agree with where they were like, this monologue is incredible, and it talks about this like internalized xenophobia that the suburbs has, right. this, like, this terrifiedness of the other. Like I am the monster because I am the one who feels this way. They didn't do anything. I am the monster here because I am reflecting society's fear of – the unknown and that is a powerful amazing message and I think having them be really murderers completely undercuts that because it goes never mind the white people are the saviors and they killed the bad guys and we should always be scared of the people we don't understand let's kill them Um, so I just felt like the ending undercuts the message of that monologue that is so fucking good and so well written and so well acted i just wish it had ended there i wish he had said we're monsters fuck all of you guys i'm going to the fucking lake with my wife i wish that was the end of this movie um but then also like would that feel like closure like the the fact that they're actually killers gives some closure to the characters i'm really really torn on it but i think i'm leaning more to i didn't like the ending That's my big soapbox that was, like, the big um, kind of barrier, I think, to me, like, loving the movie, if that makes sense.
0: Interesting.
1: How do you feel about the ending? (laughs) I mean, like, I I don't want to, like, I don't know, influence your thoughts, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of just undercut itself for me in a way that I didn't love.
0: I mean, there are a few alternate endings.
1: I saw, I mean, they all end with them being murderers, though, right? Yeah, like it's just who did they kill? It's basically like, did they kill a random girl, or did they kill the garage, the garbage man, or?
0: Yeah, I mean, more or less. There's like action beats that do and don't happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, my, my thought on this movie really hasn't changed overall, but I do agree with you that that sucks. Like, that was yeah, like, come to... on, like, come on.
1: I need you to know the deep sadness I was feeling knowing I would be coming to this podcast recording feeling that way. <laughs> and knowing that I would probably make you and our dear friends, Trainer and Brandon, very sad. Um,
0: no, I mean, you're ultimately right, I think. Objectively. <laughs> I think just, subjectively I think a... there's enough to carry it over for me. But like... Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. I think there's definitely a lot to love. But that ending, I just was like, man, you could have been so much more powerful for me. Um, yeah. Had you just ended like literally five minutes earlier. <laughs> I wonder, uh, I well.
0: do, I do wonder about, about what the, who decided that.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, it seems interesting, especially with the writer's strike. Like, what would, I'm very curious. I mean, there's a making of that I'm actually pretty interested in watching. um But it seems like with the writer's strike, I'm like, I'm curious if Joe Dante had to make story decisions or if, if that was in the script um yeah i'm very curious what that must have been like with the writer not being able to really be involved during the filming
0: yeah we're gonna have to dig into this
1: yeah i'm very curious and again like it's just it's it's there's a precedent to it right the the biggest like reference i can think of that is similar to it is that twilight zone episode And, and similarly it's it's not necessarily humans uh and their ability and tendency to hate one another it is just like aliens in the sky but um I don't know. I just feel like it would have been a cooler, a cooler message.
0: Huh. Interesting. If it had been different. Yeah. I mean, oh. I ultimately agree. I, I'll, we'll kind of go into our final thoughts. It's about that time. Um, I still love this movie very much. I agree with you pretty much on all your points. I like art. I don't really mind art that much. <laughs> um, Corey, I love, I think he's great. I love that he has this little button, but again, the button, even the button feels a little too clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still at five stars, though, because the revelation that the villains gets us Hans and the Bruce Dern. You know, we didn't really say a lot about Bruce Dern, who is like silently, totally hilarious through this whole movie from his first shot. (laughs) And like the fight they have in the ambulance is absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. The Um, the shot of just like the gurney and them like riding on it through the street is so wild. There's a lot of great. A lot of great moments in this movie.
0: Um, the last straight note I have is that every movie needs to end with the scene continuing on a crane shot out. Um, it is <clears> the greatest way to end a movie ever, especially if it's a comedy. Uh, and that's the story. Uh, I am still at five stars. Mackenzie, final thoughts and where you are at.
1: Yeah, I would do want to. I'd be. I would be remiss to mention that this was filmed on the same lot as desperate housewives that's right which is deeply wheelhouse for me and i was absolutely staring at all the houses the entire time being like who lives there on with desperate housewives this is wisteria lane um so love that (laughs) um but yeah i thought it was fun i thought it was i really like joe dante i think in general i mean i really have only seen small soldiers which i obviously loved and um i like his tone i like his goofiness i love the performances generally like tom is great carrie's great um yeah, I think I didn't love the ending. Obviously, I the pacing. I don't know. I just really struggled with it. Like it didn't pull me in as much as I wanted it to. I think from that poster and how much my friends have talked about it, maybe it got hyped up too much for me. It didn't pull me that's in fair, as much as fair. I like thought it would. Like I was ready to be like fully hypnotized by this movie, and it didn't necessarily excite me in the way I would have liked. Um, but there's a lot to love great performances really funny lines great filmmaking across the board i just love the way joe dante directs stuff um a lot of great just a lot of great moments that i think are gonna stick with me and become part of my vernacular i'm gonna use that dog gif until i die uh hell yeah so i'm very it's probably the most split i've ever felt on a movie in a long time so i'm waffling between uh three and three and a half
0: stars. whoa interesting
1: And I am ready. I'm ready for the slings and arrows from our dear, dear friends. Again, so much to love. I just, I hope that this means it has room to grow. I think.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Anything's possible. (laughs) Anything is possible. All right. So that's us. With that, it is time to start our little show.
1: Hey, we were looking for a movie we were more split on, and we finally got one.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Hmm.
1: (laughs) I know. I think you, I was just like, I don't know. What did you think I was going to be at?
0: (laughs) I was was hearing a four the whole hour, I have to be honest.
1: Really? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Or at least three and a half, four, like.
1: The ending art and the pacing killed me, I think, to a three and a three and a half.
0: I get it. I get it.
1: But, But I love you all so much.
0: It's true. All right, here we go i love love gold Gold. the only award listed on imdb is a nomination for cory danzinger Danziger, excuse me danziger (laughs) best young actor starring in a motion picture so not a lot not a lot of gold for the birds who is cory
1: danzinger
0: let's take a look shall we oh i think he plays the sun he's the sun
1: Oh, the little the little kid with like a few lines.
0: Yeah. Diane smells.
1: I mean, your favorite line, I guess.
0: Diane smells well-deserved nomination. I'm sorry about that, though. (laughs) I wish you got it. Uh, He
1: was in four movies total.
0: (laughs) He's got as many credits as the dog.
1: He does. He was in the original Beethoven. He was in a movie called Big Girls Don't Cry dot dot dot. They get even.
0: Okay. I think I know that movie.
1: Bloodlines, a murder in the family. (laughs) (laughs) That has a total of 12 people have watched it as seen, like, logged it as seen on Letterboxd. And Elliot Gold is in it, oh <laughs> and Mimi Rogers. God. It connects Mimi Rogers, Mrs. Oh Kensington. God.
0: Let's get out of this segment as quickly as possible, please, so we can disavow <laughs> okay. this.
1: Oh so my that we god, can what watch a bloodlines murder in the family!
0: Put a shit show. Put that on the wheel, please. <laughs> Even if we can't get it, we'll find it somehow. <laughs> All right, five links this week to the Austin Powers franchise and what's called the Alan Parsons Project. This is your first episode of Austin Danger podcast. We are going through the connections in this segment. Um, Of course, the biggest connection, the late, great Carrie Fisher. We appraised her Mm -hmm. in the main segment. Uh, Yeah, you know her from Star Wars, but did you know she was a script doctor on many great films, including the Star Wars prequels? As well as uh, Intolerable Cruelty. She consulted on the script for the famously bad Coen Brothers movie. (laughs) Uh, As well as... Young Indiana Jones, a couple episodes of that great show. How do you like that? Wow. One of a kind. Crazy career. Brian J. Williams, a stuntman who was in Brian's of the Caribbean.
1: (laughs) Brian's of the Caribbean, the greatest movie ever made. Oh,
0: my God. Tell me I'm tired of that. Telling me I'm tired. Brian Williams, Brian J. Williams, that is, and a stuntman who is known for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Minority Report, Face Off, Star Trek First Contact, that awful looking new Fairly Odd Parents show on <laughs> Paramount Plus, and many more. Wow, what a life. Also from the stunt department, John Clay Scott, John Clay Scott, who gives us They Live. Oh, Whoa. baby. Could you imagine a the They Whoa. Live episode of this show? Of course, the late, legendary Jerry Goldsmith, who uh, did a whole lot of really awesome stuff in this movie that I didn't mention. The dog barking as the dog is, like, shitting on the guy's lawn at the (laughs) open. So good. Uh, His music is obviously all over Paramount films. The Land Before Time movies, Star Trek The Motion Picture, and sequels, Psycho 2, uncredited. Uh, Just all over the place. Total legend. And uh, finally, in the art department, Dale E. Anderson, who gives us some of the worst movies I have ever seen on IMDb oh for this God. show. Fantastic Four from <laughs> 2015. Transformers The Last Night, the drunk Merlin one. Transformers Age of Extinction, which is the Romeo and Juliet law one with Mark. Oh my e. Mark. God. Just the worst, just the worst movies. <laughs> um, but he worked on them. And uh, that's There great. we go. That is the end of the Alan Parsons project. There you are. You're over there.
1: We have two friends over there that we expected for this week. There are two of our dearest friends, our Joe Dante stands. They have written in to give us some fun little thoughts about the burbs. First up is Brandon, who writes, dear friends, I have a theory that if you asked a random person to make a list of their 25 favorite comedies, at least 20 of them would have been first time viewings from when they were 21 or younger. Yeah, that's fair. The comedies... Yeah, I mean honestly, Bowfinger is one of my favorite comedies of all time because I watched it when I was four and it did irreparable damage to my brain.
0: This podcast is about Austin Powers. (laughs) Literally.
1: Watched that when I was six. It did irreparable damage to my brain. Um The comedies we saw growing up are often so formative, more than any other genre. Seeing a great comedy film for the first time as a grown-up becomes more and more difficult. As we age, we become more set in our ways and may not be as open and willing to laugh at new experiences. Aspects of the comedy or jokes themselves can age terribly and not be as socially acceptable as they may have seemed back in the day. Or, sometimes things that were funny 20 years ago simply might not be anymore. Mm. However, this makes it all the more meaningful when you truly connect to a comedy later in life. I watched The Burbs for the first time just over a month ago, and feeling as my feeling as the credits rolled was that I had just seen one of the funniest and most enjoyable comedies I'd ever seen. In reference to what I said before, my initial re- reaction was to reject this notion. Certainly, it couldn't have been that that good. Two more viewings in the subsequent month have proven that my gut instinct was right. I really do think this is one of my top ten favorite comedy movies ever. The Burbs epitomizes everything I love about Joe Dante as a director and contains what I believe to be three key ingredients that make his movies so special. One, fun genre mashups. Mm. Two, littered with film in-jokes and homages. Three, middle America buffoonery. (laughs) True. Uh, Middle America buffoonery is peak uh, Joe Dante movies. The comedic chemistry between the three leading men is off the charts. You throw in the always stunning and hilarious Carrie Fisher and the burbs provides everything I'm looking for in a movie. All praise to the wheel for redeeming itself. (laughs) Final note. Kev will know this from previous Ammonite Movie Night correspondence regarding David Lynch's The Straight Story but we don't get many films set in Iowa. That's right. Even though there is uh, never a title card of an, or a name of a city listed or said in this movie the opening zoom on the map makes it very clear that this takes place in the suburb of Des Moines, Iowa. There you go. Utilizing cutting edge technology and painstakingly detailed photographic and map reading techniques I have provided two images that I believe confirm my theory. I realize this podcast is an audio medium but I need film experts such as yourself to ratify this notion so that I can forever live in the glow of one of my favorite movies being set in my home state. Love you both and love the show. It's always the highlight of my week. Brandon.
0: Thank you, Brandon and, and thanks for all your support. Really, it means so much to us uh, and to Jared. Let's take a look at the map.
1: Okay, I just sent you the photos. Here
0: comes the evidence.
1: Kev has the photos.
0: That's okay. That crazy if true. I mean that <laughs>
1: I mean, they say Des Moines I mean what what other Des Moines are there? Is there other ones?
0: Oh, they dropped Des Moines in the mo- i I forgot honestly if they did I
1: think they do. I mean, yeah, you can see the lake there where Chicago is. I think it makes sense that it would be in it would be in Iowa.
0: I'll give it to you, yeah, I Let's mean do it. look, it's right there.
1: <laughs> we love to see it Joe Dante thank you, Brandon
0: thank you, Brandon. Joe Dante, come on the show,
1: Joe Dante, okay. let us know,
0: let us know please.
1: And then we have a email from the Joe Dante correspondent, Trainer.
0: Yeah, I have to apologize to Trainer on air. Uh, I should have just spoiled it for you on like Thursday, and that's my fault. And I'm sorry. Next time, next time, you know, I'll let you know. I promise. I'll
1: apologize to Trainer on air for giving the movie less than five stars. <laughs> I, I love you, and I'm sorry. Um, I will watch more Joe Dante movies. Trainer says. I can't believe the day is finally upon us. A podcast is brave enough to cover what is, in my professional opinion, the pinnacle of creative media. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, big, big talk. I say it in my letterbox review, but this movie is the only piece of media we needed on the Voyager Golden Discs. <laughs>
0: what does that mean?
1: <laughs> what is that?
0: What is That's a Voyager? Like, I think it was like a time capsule that they were sending out into space like for like aliens to pick it up.
1: That's <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Anyway, trainer continues.
1: I somehow never saw this one growing up and think I first found it years ago when Amazon of all places recommended it to me. Hmm. Perhaps one of the best cases for their horrible automated suggestion feature. It captures the human condition better than any movie before it and also captures the humor of how we as humans can be massive idiots and get everything wrong but still feel like we're on the right track. Sometimes being flawed is what we were supposed to be, and that's such a great message. The cast and acting have me smiling ear to ear the entire runtime, and the script is truly a work of art. Bruce Dern telling Rube that he's about nine on the tension scale, while Tom Hanks convulses off of the princel sardines is a scene that is burned into my inner brain and I love it so much. There are so many great quotes and quips in every scene. This movie means so much to me and embodies what I want in movies. Nonstop, lighthearted fun with laughs, action, quick wit, and heart. Family horror is a genre we just don't see anymore, and that's a shame. Yeah, true. It's like yeah, it's like the genre is the Coke recipe and Joe Dante is the one person with the combination to the vault. It's such a perfect movie and cements Dante as one of the best to ever do it for me. Anyways, I've rambled enough. I love this movie. I love you guys. Thank you for covering this somehow hidden gem best trainer
0: great letter trainer thank you so much bud thank uh, you I have a question now I was thinking about like directors that come close to having the vault combo to his point I was wondering if trainer had seen movies by Joe Johnston now not Jurassic Park 3 which was not great but the Rocketeer <clears throat> and Jumanji I feel like are movies that come pretty close to the Joe Dante formula
1: yeah I think Jumanji to, I fits even... right in I even Googled, like, family horror. I mean, Coraline is a big example, I think, of a recent yeah. one that I feel like is really good, but it's still different in tone.
0: People liked Goosebumps, but that's, like, an existing Casper? IP deal. When are we doing Casper on the show?
1: Whew. Casper. Oh, my God. Monster House is a movie that genuinely scares me, actually.
0: I never saw it. I know. it's It scares the shit out of me. That was the summer we were getting Toblerone's from Walmart. and <laughs> Not Toblerone. Shit. What was the name of the pizza? The frozen? It was a Tombstone pizza?
1: I have
0: no idea. Anyway, it had Monster House advertising on it. That's how, as much I know about Monster House.
1: The Scooby Doo movies.
0: Oh, yeah, true. Haunted Mansion. True. Yeah, Great. true. Haunted Mansion is a horror movie on several levels. <laughs> yes. It's an attack on your senses in more ways than one for sure. <laughs>
1: And that's all we have. So if you want to be over there and send us a voicemail or a letter to read on the show you can email us at AustinDangerPodcast at gmail.com and you may have some thoughts on whatever the hell we're watching next week. We don't know what it is.
0: It could be anything.
1: It could be anything.
0: It could be Peter Jackson's King Kong.
1: I'm on bated breath.
0: Oh my god. I can never handle this.
1: (laughs) Okay. I am pulling it all out. I am ready. I am rolling. Let's Go! Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, interesting. A movie that has been on my list for a while. It is very, very, very famous. I have no idea how this connects to Austin Powers, but it must because it is on this list. Um, it is going to help me continue my Tom v. Tom journey, but with the other Tom... <gasps> We are going to be talking about a movie I also know nothing about, 1996's Jerry Maguire.
0: Oh, I hate this movie. Oh, I fucking (laughs) hate- Do you want me to not do it? What? No, 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 no. We got to do it. (laughs) You had me at hello. (laughs) Well, you just spoiled
1: next week. You hate Jerry Maguire? I fucking
0: hate Jerry Maguire. Oh, this is going to be good- (laughs) Willem is sharpening the knives at Thanksgiving dinner, baby. The reckoning of Jerry Maguire is here. Seven days from today on Also Nature Podcast.
1: I can't believe you just spoiled next week's episode. Is it a spoiler?
0: I think I think Jerry Maguire is the spoiler.
1: (laughs) I know nothing about Jerry Maguire. I know show me the money. That's the only thing I know about it. And I only know it because fucking Doctor Evil says it. (laughs) Show me
0: the money. Can't Show me the, the money. That can't be the link to The Austan
1: link is that, is that Dr. Evil quotes Jerry Maguire. No, I'm sure All there right. is something more than that. I, I know nothing about this movie. I know Renee Zellweger's in it, right?
0: Yes, she she's wonderful. I, I don't mean to spoil. I don't, listen. My relationship with Jerry Maguire is very complicated, and that is not a spoiler. <laughs> I'm sorry I gave away my thoughts on Jerry Maguire.
1: Oh! <gasps> I'm just scrolling on the Wikipedia. Cameron Crowe originally wrote it for Tom Hanks. Okay, a lot of Tom. A lot of Tom drama There's a going lot of, on, to-
0: lot of a Tom drama. We'll talk about Everything is Terrible next week, the comedy collective from the West Coast that is collecting VHS copies of Jerry Maguire by the thousands. Why? Uh, to I guess I'll keep find them. out next week. We'll <laughs> find out next week. We'll talk about it.
1: Well, I mean, I am excited to see if I hate Jerry Maguire. What if I love it? What if I five-star Jerry Maguire? I
0: hope you do. <laughs> Oh, God in heaven, I hope you do. What if, what if, and here's what why if. it's not a spoiler. What if okay. I come to Jerry Maguire now as an adult and not an angry teen, but as a furious adult? Um, I mean, and love it.
1: Movies do hit different when you're, when you're at different places in your life. That is why I never assume the way I feel about a movie today is how I'm going to feel about it in 10 years, ever. Oh, yeah. And
0: I haven't seen this movie in 12. And I had to watch it for a class, and I was not in the mood to watch it at 17. So.
1: Hey, maybe we're open My we're open heart. I mean, it's going to, like, again, helping me with my Tom Tom journey. So I'll take it. Why not?
0: Here's here's the thing, and here's why I said that, is because things can change. It's been 12 years. I feel confident that I feel this way about Jerry Maguire, but seven days from the moment you're listening to this, it could be a different story.
1: I am bated breath completely to figure out how we're both going to feel about Jerry Maguire.
0: So look- Look, did Jerry Maguire have you at hello? Or do you, like me, live in a cynical world? Let us know at AustenDangerPodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and play your emails and voicemails on the air. How fun is that? <laughs> oh, man, that's wild. But until then, from Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace!
1: If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.